You are listening to a recording by Lisa Page from SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com. For further information on events, workshops, coaching, and free products, please visit www.SoulSatisfactionForWomen.com. All right, ladies, welcome to Soul Satisfaction for Women Radio. I'm Lisa Page. Thank you for your patience. We had a last-minute slight technical glitch, as does happen at times. Welcome to today's show. Uh, Today, my guest is Robert Rabin, and Robert, the official version, if you can call it that, is an iconoclastic self-awareness facilitator. He's an author and creator of the Five Principles of Authentic Living and speaking truthfully. Now, I have to be true here and say I had to actually look up what iconoclastic uh, means and Robert will be chuckling behind his mute button right now. I tell you why I want to tell you what it means because it pretty much sums up Robert and why he's here today and really why he does the work that he does. The definition is attacking or ignoring cherished beliefs and long-held traditions based on error, superstition, or lack of creativity. Basically, Robert's a taboo breaker. And he's here today with us, even though he actually had a stroke a couple of weeks ago. So in that stroke, um, as I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing with you, he lost proper functionality of his left arm, hand, leg, um, and he's also been told that he could actually have another stroke at any time. And... The thing is that he's not new to being told he's on death's door either because he's also in a new round of chemo for lung cancer. So if you don't know his story, Robert was diagnosed with terminal cancer four years ago. Uh, So he was basically given a death sentence. But in total Robert style, he's still here. And he's intimately aware that his time on the planet is limited as is yours, as is mine, which is part of the reason why he's so on fire with his sole purpose. You know, Robert doesn't just love women, the the women and, and, and how women shop in the world. He truly believes in the power of the feminine. He wants me and you as feminine souls in feminine bodies to rise up and to claim our true voice and to express it through our body. Now, Robert's not only a beloved friend of mine, he's also my speaking mentor. So I'm sure at the end of this, I'll probably get a dose of feedback on how well I translated my truth through my body in service to you today, which I always love. He's coached men and women from around the world for decades now. Um, Feminine leaders that you might even know of, like Sarah Beek, who is the author of Red Hot and Holy. Um, And there's my first arm. The truth is this, I really love Robert. Like, I love him. He has entered my heart so deeply that I just had to share him with you because... Every conversation I have with Robert, whether it's a speaking mentoring session or a chat, I walk away changed. And I know you will too today. So strap yourself in because today we're going to talk about how to roar. And it will be in and out of the bedroom, of course, because that's part of the reason why you're in my community. 
It's about embodying this art of speaking and living and loving truthfully, completely without apology. So it's about freeing yourself from self-expression, being wild and radiant and free and powerful in life, in sex, in intimacy. It's about you living your love and giving your gifts because the world really freaking needs you right now. And that's something to look in the mirror and really, really see. So a quick rundown on how today's show will flow. First, I'll share how you can participate live and get your questions answered and speak with Robert. Then we'll dive into a very juicy conversation with uh, each of you. So to, if you've dialed in by phone or Skype or the web call button, what you need to do is press star two to raise your hand. A lot of you did that to help me out before. If you know you want to speak with Robert today, even if you don't know what the question is yet, raise your hand now by pressing star two and we'll come to you first because it'll be in first in, first served order. If you're listening in via the webcast and you have a little question box, just type your question into the box. You don't need to uh, email, put your email and your name in, though it's nice for us to have your name. Uh, but just type your question to the box and refresh the page each time you want to ask a question. So I can see hands are already going up to ask questions, which is beautiful. So feel free to do that now. So now I want to open Robert's line and dive in. So welcome, Robert. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you for defining iconoclast. <laughs> I knew you loved that. I do love that. I always thought it meant incredibly good looking and sexy. <laughs> so oh I'm a little, God, maybe, you know, maybe. I'm kind of disappointed, but on the other hand, what you said is very nice also. Beautiful. Well, you know, maybe it's got a double meaning. Yeah, maybe it does. So uh, is there anything that you want me to add to your intro? I mean, there's so much that I could say. You know, you've no. had such a profound impact no. that there's much I could say, but there it was in a nutshell. Yeah, that's actually even too much. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll take that down Pe to my feedback. People can decide for themselves based on our conversation mm. who I am. Yeah. Hmm. Beautiful. All right. So can I get the ball rolling? There is a question already. So we can, what I'd like to do is just get the ball rolling, first of all, with um, a question about feminine power, because I feel like it's a word that with the internet is sort of bandied around so often. But I also feel with all the the work that I do with women, I think that we as women, we chew it in our bodies and our hearts and our souls that we are somehow off the charts tsunami style powerful. Like, like we are incredibly powerful. And for many reasons, we hold that back whether it be we're afraid, we were told we were wrong, whether it's selling the memory of being bridled, uh, burned at the stake, well, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there are many reasons why we would do that. But how do we acknowledge that we are holding back? 
How do we even acknowledge the wounds if it feels important, but without using them as an excuse? I mean, you've worked with a lot of women. So we talked a little bit about this yesterday when you and I were talking about this kind of not coddling our holding back, you know, just actually acknowledging this tsunami of power that we actually have. So, so where do we start? I think we all ought to start with how important is my life to me? Mm. How important is my life to me? Because, you know, whether it's women or men, wherever we might happen to be in our process, in our journey with what's happening now, we still have to, moment to moment, make our lives important and significant and purposeful. We have to make that decision that our life yeah. is going to have value. And mm. when we can come to that, then we have to start answering that question for ourselves and we have to be very truthful about that. In other words, our teachers, our mentors, our coaches can only do so much for us because at some point we still have to connect deeply to ourselves and find out how important is my life to me. Because if we don't answer that in some way, or if we're not engaged with that question, we don't really have a basis to change anything in our lives. You know, We don't know yeah. what's the point of roaring with or without yeah. apology if we don't yet know, well, fuck, I want to roar. What my life yeah. means to me is it's important enough, it's significant enough, it's meaningful enough that I'm going to focus on what's important, I'm mm. going to speak my truth, I'm going to act my truth in the world. It, it, but if we don't have that fundamental decision, we don't really have any basis for anything. We'll just sort of wander around in a kind of, you know, process-oriented haze, and we get caught in endless conversations about things and processes. And, this, and in the meantime, for all of us, but certainly for women whose socialization process usually puts them at odds with their own power, but if we can really decide my life means something to me, then we've got a basis for, for actions. And speaking is an action. So yeah. you know, we have a way of being in the world once we decide my life matters in this mm -hmm. way to me, in this way to me. Do I really, it, do I only care enough about my life to be polite and obedient 
and compliant and agreeable? Or is my life important enough that I am going to discover tectonic plates in me that produce earthquakes that, oh, look, there's a volcano that not only does it, you know, erupt out of my pussy when I'm having sex, but it can (laughs) erupt out of me whenever I fucking want it to be Mm. because I'm playing with the creative impulses of all of existence. Yeah, because it matters, right? Because it well, matters. It's got, it's got, like you're it saying, because you decided it matters. Yeah. You know, and if we don't do that, if we don't start with that baseline, yeah. we can get, it's so easy, especially with the internet, it's mm. so easy to get swept away into something that really doesn't matter to us, but because it's, it's prolific out there in the world. Yeah. You know, um, so I, that's where I would start. You know, if we don't start with that, and yeah. and you know, it's like you in your intro, you said something or another that I was supposed to be dead four years ago, and here I am. And then mm-hmm. I had a stroke last month, and I was supposed to, you know. But even with that, I still managed to continue with my work. I know record yeah. and produce a video and launch another project that, that even as I was doing it, I was crying. I, I had tears mm-hmm. because I was in so much discomfort. But yeah. the discomfort that I was in was not important enough to succumb to it. What was important is that I connected to those energy, those creative energetic flows that are always there and it just so happened that it was like time to, you know, produce another project, which yeah. is meaningful to me. It may not be meaningful to others or the world, but it was meaningful enough for me to be able to transcend what would otherwise have been, uh, you know, an impediment or a block or a limitation mm-hmm. that could have, you know, taken my life from me even as I was still alive. And I'm like, well, well no, I'm not, that, that's not okay with me. My life means more to me than to just, you know, be ill, for example. Yeah. Or to be compliant or mm-hmm. to, be, to be any of those things. Because we can't find a- any kind of equilibrium in our being if we're afraid of our own capacity for power. Yeah. You know... Not just Tony Robbins' power, not masculine power per <laughs> se, but mm. the power to express, the power to create, the pro- the power to disturb the status quo, the power yeah. to to disrupt everything we've ever learned, the power to realize that even with wounds, even with a history, right, even with memories of anything, mm. in this in this moment. Yeah. In each moment, Lisa, everyone does have a direct route, direct access to the word that I like to use is shakti. It's a Sanskrit word, mm. which is, you know, it's just primal energy. It's the energy mm. of life itself. And that is there. It, it, mm. it is always there. So part of that decision that I was talking about 
is also the decision that I recognize that's true and I am going to use that intrinsic mm -hmm. capacity for energetic living in a creative uh, and surprising way. That, that's how it is for me. You know, when you, when you said intrinsic, it just makes me think how so often, you know, I hear women say something about giving their power away or getting their power back, and it's like, but you are that. <laughs> That's who you are innately, this intrinsic power from which you're sourced. I don't know. I don't know what you think. I, I, how can you give it away? You can, you can choose not to embody it, you know. But well, I, I don't... I, I've heard that for you know the last 50 years. We, we give our power away. Well, you you can't. If you gave your power away, you would fall over dead. Yeah. <clears throat> if you gave your power as by which I'm going to mean your life force, you would be dead. Yeah. We yeah. can never give our power away. All we can do is use our power to mm. pretend that we don't have power. Yeah. So so let let's. You know, for me, it's an important distinction because it's an altogether different relationship to the issue if it's framed as, oh, my God, I gave my power away. I'm weak. I'm unstable. I don't even remember where I gave my power to or when, so I've got to spend the next 30 years trying to figure out where the hell I gave it to, and then mm -hmm. i got to get it back which is all wasted time because you're never going to get back more power than you already have now. The decision is I'm going to stop using my power to pretend that I do not have power. It's a decision yeah. that has to then be followed by action. Yeah, totally. That's how we... Okay. Well, that's how we remember in this moment we have never been powerless if we act, but too often it is it, it, that we don't act, we don't take an action, by which it includes speaking also as an action, but we don't move in the world with a decisiveness. And, you know, like we're afraid to take up space because someone's feelings might get hurt or something like that. And I don't think we can even begin to talk about being compassionate and empathetic and kind and loving until we locate those qualities in the center of our gigantic, enormous field of power. There is, mm -hmm. To me, there is, there is nothing useful about people who hide out in the rhetoric of love and light, but who yeah. are so suppressed they can hardly hold up an apple. <laughs> You know, I'm not interested in that kind of compassion and yeah. love and light. I want to see, you know, a ferocity within which we have these other qualities. But with, if we're not deciding to live from the center of our intrinsic capacity to mm. be enormous, then to me, everything else is false. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. There's a hand up. So are you happy if we go straight to that to dive in? Am I happy? 
Mm. I'm, I couldn't be happier. Okay, I'm gonna. This is Shay, I think. Shay, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so, hi. Your question. Hi, Robert. How are you? Is that Shay Lynn? Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so my question is around um, the patriarchal masculine and um, I have a resistance to my own masculine and part of it is because I embodied the patriarchal masculine for a very long time in my life and I just wanted to get your take on how to move through that so that I'm embodying my uh, divine or my, you know, loving masculine as opposed to the masculine that protects and also um, comforts and that masculine. Oh, oh, and I, because I feel like that's holding me back from really embodying my feminine power. Yeah. Uh, give me a second here to respond to that. So I, let me, I'll have to give you this. I have to make a confession first. Somewhere in the last few years, I experienced what I called the collapse of language as a medium of meaning. I know that might sound a little heady, but what I... But what happened uh, about four years ago when I was quite ill is over the course of many, many months of just basically being in inner silence for weeks and weeks at a time, I, I got into this place, I call it silence, in which language didn't arise. It wasn't like a mindfulness session. You know, it wasn't a walk on the beach or something like that. It was, I just lost language as a medium for meaning. So when I hear things like the patriarchal, sorry, the, what did you say? Patriarchal masculine. Yeah, the patriarchal masculine or the divine feminine, those don't mean anything to me. I don't live like that anymore. I can't, so what's a metaphor? So you would no doubt have had the experience, in fact, I know you have because we've chatted, of experiencing something directly, right? Yeah. You're not superimposing language. It could be something in nature. It could, you know, something where suddenly we're transported from the languaging of something into a direct and immediate contact with something. Uh, intimacy between people is one way that we achieve that state, right? I mean, isn't that what the relationship dance is about? Is, isn't that what 
sensuality and sexuality and intimacy and vulnerability is all about. All those words point to the opportunity to experience directly pre-verbally. So I don't, you know, the male patriarchy, the divine feminine, are very confused. They're very confusing terms to me. And mm. I, I'm not saying they don't have some legitimacy. You ask me a question, I have to answer you honestly. Those kinds of considerations, to my mind, just fuck us up. Okay. You, you know, you have the capacity to act from a deep place in yourself and the action is going to be so sudden and so direct and so unencumbered with intellectual ideas that you're going to surprise the hell out of yourself every second of every day. Well, that's why I'm asking I a love question that. because <laughs> I don't understand my behavior and well, I'm trying well, to figure for, it well, out. Well, well, why in the... Okay, give me an example of the behavior you're trying to figure out. What well, an example is like, okay, so I've got a business and I'm, okay. I'm, I just don't really want to do it anymore. Like I, I'm just, I don't have that, I don't have the fire or the passion that I did sort of three or four months ago. And I'm, I'm, I don't have a reference point for, for really, for me just really going, you know what, I don't really want to do this anymore. And wait, 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 you, you, that's not true that you don't have a reference point for that. You just said that is your reference point. You just said my reference point is I don't want to do something that I thought I wanted to do five months ago. And I'm going, okay, good for you. What else is new? What, like, and what's <laughs> like, so? Do you know how many things okay. I've done in my life? Here. I think when you and I connected, I might have mentioned the five principles of authentic living. This is sort of my context for living. It's basically ten words, the five principles. Here they are. Be present, pay attention, listen deeply, speak truthfully, and act creatively. Those ten words represent more than 50 years of pretty intense personal development, growth, whatever you want to call it. So be present means to not be defined or determined by the thought stream. The thought stream includes the male patriarchy, the divine feminine, and so on. Those, those are thought constructs in the thought stream. So I don't live there anymore, and I don't live there, and I don't then deal with language. You know, paying attention will skip over for now. Listen deeply is all I ever do. I, I don't know anything except how to be present, which is not live in my thought stream, pay attention to what's happening in me and around me. For example, in your case, paying attention would be, I notice that the energy to do this work is diminishing. That's paying attention to what's happening. Listening deeply, I don't want to do this anymore. Speaking truthfully and acting creatively is what takes that inside realization into the world where we begin to experience a kind of integrity. Where we falter, men and women alike, 
is in that listening deeply and then speaking truthfully because there's a little gap we hear inside, I don't want to do this anymore, but we fall back into the thought stream and then we start doubting what we're, li- what we're hearing as our truth, which is something I do not do. I never doubt anything that I hear inside as being true for me now. I put it out into the world as my speaking truthfully, and then I take an action. I just launched a project called the 10% Project. I did a video and put up a Facebook page and whatever. I have no idea where that's going to go. I have no idea if I'll be doing it in two months. But what I do know is that the energy to do this was so strong that it, it kept me engaged to do it even while I was so sick, I'm in the middle of chemo treatments and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and it's like, well, that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is I I heard inside myself as the truth in this moment, do this project. Well, I'm really sick. Okay, do this project. Well, where will it go? What's going to happen to this project? Can I make money? Will people finally like me? Will I be famous well none of it's relevant what's relevant is do this for as long as you can do this and when it, and when the energy wanes or subsides there will be another current you know you go to the beach you watch surfers waves come in they don't just go and surf one wave and call it a day they paddle back out and wait for another wave we, you know we're like an ocean of creative impulse and we get waves and waves. Some of those waves might be huge and last for years. Some of them might last for an afternoon. The point is we have to start giving ourselves to our own oceanic flows of creativity and stop fucking ourselves with language and doubts and and self-suppressions that don't mean anything. I can't even remember how many projects I've done over the years. Or, you know, how many articles. I've written over 300 articles. I can't even remember the ones I wrote. And, you know, sometimes people will find something I wrote 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they'll go, what about this? Well, you, you said this. I said, well, first of all, I don't fucking remember ever saying it. And if I did, it was so long ago, I'm not that person. Why why do you want to hold me prisoner to who I may have been years and years ago or even this morning? Yeah. Or even this morning. Why do you, Shay Lynn, why do you want to hold yourself hostage to what might have been true for you this morning? Why don't you let yourself grow and change and evolve moment to moment to moment to moment to moment and find a center of meaning and purpose in that ever-changing creative flow? Why don't you do that? Yeah, thank you. I got that. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Shay. Thank you. 
Okay. Uh, and I just want to say, you know, Robert, when you were talking about that holding yourself hostage to who you were even a minute ago, it's one of the things that we talk about in the relationship work. You know, Mo and I look at each other and every day, the, the one commitment we have is never assume to know who the other is. Just never assume because yeah. so often we trap each other into yeah. who, you know, what, what our partner wanted, believed, yeah. thought about, was committed to. You know, yesterday, yeah. last year, a decade ago, a minute ago, and yet it's one of the... Sharon and I have talked about this uh, before is that the transition from a relationship to moment by moment relating and it's like a fucking scary yeah. free fall right but now would not have it any other way and i think that relating with yourself is when you said it's that the same it, thing. it's the same thing exactly yeah, it's not just your partner the partner is always secondary we always are closer yeah. to ourselves than our partner and if we do that to ourselves exactly. we're, we're we're really screwed but you're implicit in what you just said, the way I hear it is, you made a decision about how you want to live in relationship. Yep. You communicated that to Mo. He obviously wants to play the same game, and off you go. But mm -hmm. if you didn't decide that you wanted yeah. that freedom first, you would, you, there, there, we couldn't even be talking about it because you've got to make the decision yeah. first. So really, it's, the question is, can you look in the mirror and can you decide and make an agreement with yourself that you're not going to hold yourself hostage to yesterday, last year, or whenever, that you're actually going to relate with yourself, with this knowing that's arising within you moment by moment by moment. And like you're saying, it's like the surface, you know, on the wave. Well, to me, like as a woman, I feel that wave like rising up from my, yeah. from my pussy, from my yoni, that wave rises up. And that's just moment by moment informing that, that if honestly, like if I look at myself in the mirror and I can honestly, if I can look at myself in the mirror and think that I'm actually feeling what I felt a minute ago or even a second ago or that the energy, was, I, I'm, I'm fibbing. It's just not true. Right. Like every moment, the informing that wave is arising and the nature of the feminine, the nature of Shakti is that it's dynamic, which means it's ever-changing. It can't be stagnant. Right. Well, then why do we need to look in the mirror and make an agreement? That, to me, that's yeah. extra and too much. We don't need that. Why? That's like mm -hmm. saying, I'm going, I'm going to agree to cooperate with who I am. We, we, don't, need <laughs> yeah. we, we don't need that too much. You know, we have to learn, I think, and certainly I've had a lot of learning in this area, that insight is useful. Mm. But where the game changes is when we take an action. Instantly from the insight before the insight can settle into us as a belief. I don't yeah, have, oh, I love that. And, you, and you're yeah. talking about an agreement. I don't have any agreements with myself. You know, I'm like, because I, I'm going to break every agreement I've ever made even before I'm finished with the agreement. I don't want to burden myself with agreements about how I'm going to be. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. um, there's that, that I want more freedom than that. If you, 
if you look at kids, for example, you know, playing around, um, I love watching kids because, you know, at a certain age, three, four, five, whatever, they they do what I call they they run from one enthusiasm to another. Yeah. If you're with a bunch of kids at the beach, you know, the adults are going to be on their chairs and blankets and having a couple of beers or whatever and talking about this, that, or the other thing. But the kids are going to be running all over hell. They're going to mm-hmm. be digging a hole in the sand. They're going to run after a dog. They're going to run into the mm-hmm. sea. There's no sense or coherence to what mm-hmm. they do. There's nothing but the enthusiasm of the next thing. And then the parents come along and go, hey, wait a second. How come you didn't finish building that sandcastle? Yeah. Why are you running over there playing with the dog when you've got to finish that? Mm-hmm. And, you, and so the kids hear, why didn't you finish that? And, and they have no idea what you're even talking about. Yeah. But they have to come up with an answer. And that's where it all mm-hmm. begins. We lose the relationship and the faith in moving from enthusiasm to enthusiasm to where we think we just don't trust it. Well, what else are you going to trust? The male patriarchy, the divine feminine, an agreement you made with yourself when you were looking in the mirror? Come on. It's moving too fast. It's moving too fast. Everything's moving too fast. If you're going to big wave surf... When you're on, you know, when you're on a 70-foot wave, you can't stop and think about yeah. what you read in introductory introduction to surfing. Yeah. You 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 can't do anything except be there and 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 act and be creative yeah. in the moment. But we we don't know how to trust that. I've been able to do that because I made certain decisions. So you could look on from the outside to my life and relative to, let's say, my older brother who went to college and then law school, became a lawyer, got married, had kids, and he's, he's still a lawyer mm-hmm. 50 years on. So that's a template for, for something we can trust and rely on. But if you look at me... You know, my life will be well. Last anyone heard, he was in Afghanistan, <laughs> and then no one's heard of him for years. Then he was writing some books. Then he had this project. Then he went into the. Then he went to the. You know, it's like uh, there's no sense to my life if you look at it in any way other than on its own terms. Mm-hmm. The, the terms of I have followed and continue to follow my enthusiasms, my flows of energy moment to moment without question, period. I'm not yeah. recommending that. I'm just sharing that mm. and saying that's the decision I made about how I want to live. Yeah. Now, what I just want to say is because there are a lot of women on the uh, – on the uh, web call, who have dialed in by Skype or phone or web call. So if you want to ask a question, if you want to talk to Robert live, then please raise your hand by pressing star two. So do that now because I'll come in in order. And if you have a question that you want Robert to answer and you are listening via the webcast, then just type it in to the box and 
ideally it'd be great if we have your name, but you don't have to. So I'll refresh that. I know Andrea's said hello, she's here, so that's brilliant. So if you, I know Andrea, you were thinking of having a question, so if you have a question, type it up now and I'll check back. And I'll just check back to see if anyone's raised their hand. So just press star two on your dial pad to raise your hand. And if right now you're pressing star two and for some reason, because I can't see a hand raise, I can see lots of uh, women on the line, and you're, and you're desperate to speak with Robert, press star seven, do that now and that will unmute your line and you can speak with Robert. So I'll just refresh and see what comes. So if you want to speak with Robert, press star two to raise your hand and if your star two is not working, just by chance, press star seven to unmute your line. Okay, so we'll just wait a little bit to see if any questions come through for those ways. So Robert, you know, I want to ask you, oops, there is a question, all right, let me put my question on hold. So I'm going to unmute the line. So it's caller with the last four digits, 3011. So hello. Oh, your line is open. Who's that? Hello, it's Karina. Hi, Karina. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Brilliant. So Robert met Karina. Karina was a, a six-month mentor client of mine. She has been a runaway freight train with embodiment from her program. So you guys will get on like a house on fire. Go for it. <laughs> uh, freight train. A freight train. That's not very, that's not very flattering. <laughs> She's, she's a gorgeous oh, so freight good. train. Okay. <laughs> Sexy freight train. Um, yeah. Uh, all of this is awesome. Uh, my main question is really simple, and it's dealing with uh, resistance because um, at the very beginning you, you said um, it's just a question of how much you want your life to matter. And um, the last uh, few days I've just felt, like really I've had plenty of um, ideas and I just feel like I'm up against a brick wall of I can't get myself to do anything like um, and I just I just thought I'd throw it out there and get your thoughts about how to kind of deal with that what is that you've named it as resistance I don't hear it as that this is one of the things about language because if we, we've got to be very careful because in, in the many years in which I've worked with people, and, and I include myself in that, having worked with myself to, mm -hmm. you know, for, for better or worse, here's what I've noticed. All, all, almost always, almost always, our difficulties or our problems, if I could say that, or our issues, are not with the first thing. They're with, they're with the way we language our response to that first thing. So you talked about, you started out by saying, what about resistance? Mm -hmm. And then you said a few more, then you said a few more things. Yeah. So, <laughs> What I mean is 
The problem is the labeling of something resistance. And now everything else you said is in response to resistance and what it means to you. But I'm not convinced that resistance represents the thing that you're actually experiencing. Okay. So without turning this into a long coaching session, it's, you said something about, it, it sounds to me a little bit like you've got a number of competing things going on. Yeah. And, and you're not exactly sure which way to go. So yes. You feel a little bit paralyzed and stuck. Is that yeah. reasonably true? Okay. For sure. So with, again, without going into, into greater depth in the moment, can you see how that framing is altogether different than can you help me with my resistance? Okay. Yes. Right? So yes. resistance is one thing, which I, I didn't believe even as you said it because I heard you say, but I've got a lot, you know, I'm just paraphrasing, that there yep. are a lot of different things going on and you couldn't figure out sort of how to move with any of them. That's not resistance. That's a lack of clarity. Cool. There's no resistance at all. Nice. If there's any resistance, you're, you're resisting experiencing the thing that is without labeling it. Once you label something, we've got to be very careful because if we're mis- if I say, yeah. look, could you could you please go into the kitchen and bring me some milk? Mm-hmm. And you come and you come back with a, you know with a car tire. Yeah. You, know, you go out to the garage and you take the wheel off the car and you bring it in and you go, here's the milk. And I said, well, actually, it's not milk, that's a tire. That, <laughs> you know, but that's, obviously, obviously, in my world, that's what we do all the time because we say mm-hmm. resistance or the male patriarchy or this, that, or the other thing, and we really have no fucking idea what we mean relative mm-hmm. to the thing itself, to the okay. thing itself, which requires that we relate to the thing itself without imposing a language on it, and we begin to explore and discover what is actually going on here. Okay. N- not intellectually to then be able to know it in language, but to relate to it energetically, you know, as we're going to start dancing with this thing. Mm. You know, when I, when I got diagnosed with cancer, I was in uh, the Gold Coast. I was in Australia. I was in a hospital. I'd been there for a couple of weeks. And then a bunch of doctors came, got, stood around my bed with a little portable MRI video. They showed how my spine was virtually eaten away by tumors, which explains why I couldn't walk. And, you know, they said, I'm sorry, you've got stage four lung cancer, you're going to die in six months, there's nothing we can do, you should go back to America and good, good luck. <laughs> well, you know, I was like, thank you for your opinion, but I'm not actually going to accept that as the ultimate truth of what is. Yeah. And I'm going to start relating from a deeper place in me 
mm. to circumstances that I did not define in the way they did. Right. When I was in the hospital a few weeks ago for this stroke thing, this project that I was working on started really sort of beating in me, like, Robert, you need to get out of the hospital and go work on this project. I'm like, come on. You know, the, they wouldn't let me out of the hospital. They're saying, you can't go. We haven't completed our test. We don't know why this happened. You could have another stroke at any minute and die. And then finally one day I said, I have to get out of here. I need to go home and start working on my project. So I started telling every doctor and nurse that came into my room on a Tuesday morning, I appreciate everything you're doing for me. I'm leaving tonight at 5 o'clock. I'm just letting you know. And so, you know, I will, I will unplug the EKG. I had two IV drips in my arms. I was going to take those out. My sister was coming to bust me out. And I said, at 5 o'clock, I'm leaving. They had cardiologists. They had bio neurologists, oncologists. Everyone said, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. You could die. We don't know what caused it. You can't go. And I said, I'm leaving today at 5 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock, I left. Now, I'm not that petulant that I'm not going to consider the advice of doctors, but I also have to play my own game, don't I, in life. And it was like, I'm leaving today at 5 o'clock. Well, you could die. Well, you know, that's what they told me four years ago, and I'm still here. And guess what? If I don't die tonight, I'm going to die at some point. I'm going to live my life on my terms. And, and uh, it's time for me to leave the hospital. I'm leaving at 5. Now, again, please, whoever's listening, I, you know, I, I'm not giving medical advice. <laughs> don't, I don't want you to sue me. Yeah, yeah, this is a disclaimer. You know, for everything I'm saying is not professional advice. <laughs> but it, it's like you started out, and if I weren't listening to what you actually said, from where mm -hmm. I listen from, which is not language, if I didn't do that, if I were just listening to you, I'd go, I, I, we'd be talking now about resistance. Yeah, and, okay, yeah. Theoretically, philosophically, abstract. It wouldn't do you any good because resistance isn't even your issue. <laughs> you don't have an issue. You're just not yet clear about what you want to do. Yeah. Fine. Then you wait until you're clear. But don't start inventing um, resistance as the yeah. other thing you've got to work through before you can give yourself the freedom to take a creative <laughs> action when you know that you can. Oh, my God, that's so good. <laughs> and isn't it true you can't force the wave? So that clarity, you can't force it to come. You can't demand that the wave appears yeah. so you can ride it. It comes when it comes. Yeah. That's right. It's like an that's orgasm. Right. <laughs> which, which, which is what is that? I'm sorry. It's like I'm an clear. orgasm. <laughs> I'm not clear. I'm not clear. I'm not. I'm not clear on the concept. Is that like resistance? What is that? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Don't let's yeah. not start going down the path of orgasms because <laughs> we could all get. It. So is that yeah. helpful to you? What I said about your yeah. resistance? Yeah, that was. But, but it's true with everything. It's true with everything. We've got to learn to keep connecting to the thing. What is the thing? You know, not the name of it, not the history of it, not the 
you know, yes, I love language. Look, I've been a speaker my whole life. I teach speaking. I love speaking. You know, mm-hmm. which, which, speaking of orgasms, not only do I love speaking, but I have such well-developed oral skills that <laughs> I'll just, you know, just leave you to imagine what else I can do. <laughs> however, however, you know, but it, it's when we talk about intimacy but let's look at the work that I know Lisa does probably with all of you we're talking about intimacy and vulnerability and connection and depth and ecstasy and pleasure and joy right those are words we use to describe the field in which we want to have relationship mm. right those are, but if we if we just go a little further than the words and we're in what those words point to, those words become useless because we're in the thing itself. So, we've, you know, my way of working with myself and with others, my way of being in the world is I use language, but I don't get fooled by language. Is that helpful, Karina? Yeah, that's really great. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I needed. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, I'm going Hello. to uh, just leave the line. There is one another hand that's come up. I'm coming to you next. It's 8171. Is, so that's the last four digits of your number. So I'm going to... Uh, unmute your line in just a moment. There's also a question from Andrea Robert on the uh, in the question box, so I'm just going to read it to you. Andrea is from England. Isn't Andrea yeah. from England? Andrea is from London. She's uh, a client of mine. In fact, uh, we just did some work together in London, so she's very excited about about speaking with you. So, what she's written is, I'm loving what you're saying, Robert, and I. Realize that I'm in fact sabotaging my life by avoiding by avoiding what I want to do, which is write a book. I thought yeah. it was because I didn't have the right content, but in truth, <laughs> I think I'm just feeling nervous yeah. Yeah. about what might happen next, as in my life yeah. changing and even people judging the content of my book. What do yeah. I need to do to get over this fear? Oh, well, that's a well-framed question. Mm-hmm. And luckily... Luckily, <laughs> Andrea, I have a very useful and succinct answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think our time is up. How unfortunate. <laughs> I'm, my first wife was English, so you know, I've got a couple of issues with the English people. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> okay, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, I'm not no, stop, it. Lisa, Lisa, stop it. Promise. You're you're totally, you're, just stop it. You're confusing me. Okay, I love this. Whenever I'm about to do something, I usually get, I start, um, I start crying inside myself. It's not actual tears. It's not fear. It's not dread. It's, it's something in me recognizes 
that what I'm about to do, whatever it may be, because it's coming from a deep place, is going to change the status quo in my life. Mm. And I always get terrified. It, but, but here's the deal. If I don't get terrified because of what I'm about to do, then it's not really worth doing because it's not a deep enough movement. And I'm yeah. all into you know, doing a series of things each of which destroys the previous status quo so I can keep growing and evolving and growing and evolving. So, of course, you're going to be feeling, oh, my God, if I do this, things will change. Of course, our minds tend to think along a negative track. Something We tend to think our life change will be something bad will happen as opposed to, oh, my God, I could become the next queen of England, and then what would I do? So the thing is to become friends with those feelings of, oh, my God, if I do this, everything's going to change. Yes, of course. Mm. Yes, good, fine, next. Here's the succinct thing. What do you do? You want to write a book or whatever it might be, and we get caught in languaging, in fear, in self-doubt, in whatever. Here's, here's what we all need to do. Take an action. Just act. Absolutely. Just act. Because you know how pilots get, you know how planes get from, you know, from Melbourne to Sydney? Or, you know, London to Rome or wherever, they're at 35,000 feet. There isn't a white line, you know, painted in the sky at 35,000 feet <laughs> that the plane flies along as if it were a track and a train. What mm -hmm. actually happens is the through navigational input and course correction, the pilots get from A to B, and they're almost always off the course of their flight plan, which they can't mm. stay on because it's not a fucking line at 35,000 feet in the air. Mm. So, the, so, so, and this is true, pilots function in complete uncertainty at 35,000 feet, but the certainty comes from constant course correction based on real-time input, which for me is what's called listening, deep listening, and then we make a change. But you're never going to get anywhere if you don't get in the damn plane, close the door, take off, and start flying it. Then the game is, and I've written eight books, so you know, I know something about what's involved in that process. <laughs> you, you start writing. Yeah. And then you course correct because no, no writer in the history of the world has ever written a book that they started writing. It doesn't happen that way. You start writing again? and then... The, no, no. No writer... You, look, it's, ask any writer and they'll tell you that at a certain point the article or the screenplay or the book takes you over. Mm, and yeah, then you yeah. follow it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, one of the books I did years ago was with a, a publisher in the U.S., and they assigned an, a couple of editors to me. And 
one of them didn't really like my content and, and kept, you know, pouring lamb's blood over every page, you know, <laughs> red X's. With, like, what does this mean, redundant, stupid? This, yeah, okay. So I ended up with a different book than I started out, but I, I've done that with all my books. I've done that with 300 articles. I've done that with my life. Yeah. Is anyone on this call exactly where they thought they would be 20 years ago? Mm. A year ago? It's, it's, you know, part of the journey, which we like to say is, is, is our life, is we start, we just take a step and yeah. then listen do we keep going down this path? Do we turn a little bit to the right? Do we sit on a log and wait for clarity? Do we run? What do we do? The thing that we don't do is take the first step. We go, I want to go down this path, but I think I'll first take a couple of workshops. Then I think mm. I want to do a retreat. Then I want to read a few, <laughs> then I want to read a few books. Then I'll meditate then think, for a little while. <laughs> then I'm going to meditate. Then I'm going to, you know... It's like, fucking hell, your life has just passed you by. What are you waiting for? How did we become so averse to action? Mm. When was the last time you saw a bunch of four-year-olds sit around and philosophize about what they should do next? (laughs) Any of you? Yeah, very true. Okay, that's beautiful. Oh. So it's again it's almost a non issue. Yeah. Andrea, it's an, it's a non issue. How do I do how do I do how do, you just do it. I I've written, I didn't ever take a writing class. No one ever taught me how to write. No one's mm. ever taught me how to do anything I've done. Mm. And some things I do very well. Mm. Some things I don't. Most things I do. Yeah. And how because I've learned how to learn being underway, mm. you know, yeah. underway. I'll I'll keep drawing the shakti from the depths of my being. I'll be creative. I'll be courageous. I'll be inventive. I'll be experimental. I'll be risky. Mm. But all of those things, you have to be engaged. You have to be in action. You've got to be underway with whatever it is you're doing. And we yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Okay, Andrea, I'm, I will actually refresh just at the end. We're, we're over time, ladies, so I'm just letting you know that we're going to go to this other caller. Robert, if you're willing to, st- I know it's late for you, if you're willing to stay with us just for one more question for the lady that's on the line. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Great. All right. So, Andrea, if you have a comment, uh, you're welcome to pop it in and I'll refresh it to read it to Robert. So for the woman whose last four digits is 8171, I'm just unmuting your line now. Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Hi, it's Carol from Adelaide. Hi, Carol. Hi, Robert, meet Carol. Is that Carol Phillips? It is. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> nice to meet you. We, Carol and I have had a very lovely email exchange. Yes, we have. And I just wanted to just say thank you, um, your clarity and who you are is just incredible. So I, I, everything on this call today has been amazing. And 
given me a lot of clarity of, you know, I'm a great listener, but um, there's a lot of distraction and um, taking the action, you know, that gets results. I do take mm. action, but I'm not taking the big action. Mm. So, yeah, thank you. It's been amazing. Like, I let the waves come and listen, and they wash me up, you know, and I need to jump on them. So uh, I just wanted to acknowledge you for who you are. Thank you. I was really nothing until Lisa Page found me about two years ago. Oh, yeah, in, the gutter. Kind of, in, the, in the gutter, right? It was in the gutter, and she took me, and so... She basically, she took me under her wing and she sort of slapped me around and shaped me up. So (laughs) I really owe it all to Lisa. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Robert. You're welcome. Thanks, Carol. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. You know, I know we're over. I know we're over, but but now you've got me wound up. Yeah. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm not going to be able to sleep all night, thanks to you. So let me just say this. You know, I don't want to try to tie anything up into a bow or make any universal pronouncements because I think mm. each of us need a unique situation. You know, we, we sort of need everything is unique moment to moment. So, but even with that, there's a couple of things that I've noticed seem to work for human beings. And Mm -hmm. and we've talked about a lot of those. One is let's not get caught up in the mislabeling of something before we know what that something is. Let's Mm -hmm. not be action averse. Let's not be afraid to take action and learn about things underway in action. We don't have to get ready. We don't have to get ready. You don't have to get ready to write a book. We don't have mm-hmm. to get ready to do whatever we want to do. And the more we the more we realize that life is an action game, the more mm-hmm. our learning through action becomes a source of our own creative liberation. Yeah, yeah. Which is, for me, is, it's everything. That's the life I decided I wanted to live. I wanted to live mm-hmm. a creative free, open, constantly evolving life of discovery and expression and creativity. And I I, I don't care to be right. I've never worried about Mm -hmm. how much money I was... I I never... That's all I've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. That was my decision about the life I wanted. And so I honestly feel I have that life and I've been living that life. Mm So mm-hmm. what's the life you each want? What, you know, what is important for you? And just start now. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Carol. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been amazing. So listen, I'm just going to mute Carol's line. And I, there's a uh, comment that came back from... Andrea, Robert, so I'll read that and then we'll wrap it up. So what she's written is, yes, I know, just write, hey, I get it. I must be nervous in order to birth my book. Yes, friendship with my book sounds good. I will indeed act. Thank you. And by the way, I'm no, I'm no ordinary English woman. Ha ha. 
XXX. <laughs> PPS, I loved what you said about not writing what I think I'm going to write about. It's true. Again, thank you, Robert. By the way, since we're talking about writing, very quickly, yeah. I think that someone on this call needs mm -hmm. to announce something about herself. Really? <laughs> Lisa? Do you oh, think there's someone on this it. call who needs to say something about that, what just happened to her as regards writing? Lisa, I think I so. Is there someone in your lounge room? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> whether there is or not isn't any of your damn business. So, get, oh, so come on. Okay. What happened? All right. All right. So I know I haven't announced this to anyone yet. All right. So those of you who are here live, you get the – the first peak. So uh, for those of you who may or may not know, I write poetry. And there is a book that's just been released by Andrew Harvey and Jay Ramsey called Diamond Cutters, Visionary Poets in America, Britain and Oceania. And my five of my poems are published in there. So that's the first time my poems have been published and it's all about oh, where divinity and humanness meet, essentially, whether it be in ecstatic union and sex and intimacy or in those darker places that have to uh, be experienced to liberate us to the next unfolding. Uh, it's, it's an exquisite book, actually. It's with amazing writers like Mirabai Starr and uh, Robert Bly, beautiful um, poetry that um, Andrew has uh, transcribed, um, translated from Rumi. It's, it's beautiful. So I'm just starting to dive into it myself. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Yeah. So, what, so yeah. what does this mean? This means that you are a published poet Mm -hmm. who is recognized globally as one of the visionary voices in all of Oceania. Is that not yeah, true? That is true, apparently, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, take the, stop it. Yeah, oh, gosh. Stop the apparently, yeah. that's, but first of all, Rumi, he can go fuck himself. He died, <laughs> he died 1,500 years ago. I couldn't care less what he has to say. Okay. So you are a globally recognized visionary poet. Yes? Yes. What happened? Did you become a mouse? <laughs> no, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. Andrea, can you hear that? So don't do what she just did. Yeah, exactly. Don't do what your mentor just did. Yes, I'm holding it in my hand. Diamond Cutters, yeah. Visionary Poets in America, Britain, and Oceania. And the Oceania component, that's where I come in. That's right. Yeah. Oof. Thank you. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Robert, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. I hope everyone got a little something of value. I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fantastic. I really appreciate it. And I'll just refresh to see if there are any last comments on there. 
Beautiful. Oh, so Marsha's written congratulations. And Sue from Chicago has written, uh, she's sorry to have missed most of the call. Great, got to hear the questions, all amazing stuff. Thank you, Robert. We'll have a copy of the call later on. Yes, I'll post it for you, Sue. You'll see it. There'll be a recording. So thank you, ladies. Thank you, Robert. You're welcome. And let's take this and act. Ladies, let's not let this sit in insight. Let's not sit this as even a feeling. Let's really get this into the just action, one embodied action from today, and let that be a wave that you've caught, and um, the next one will come. All right. Thank you, Robert. Lots of love. Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. You are listening to a recording by Lisa Page from soulsatisfactionforwomen.com. For further information on events, workshops, coaching, and free products, please visit www.soulsatisfactionforwomen.com.